Okay. A final charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct your rebuke and encourage, with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them the great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, uh, Teresa. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Graham, uh, I'm the vicar here, and again, extend my welcome to you here today if this is your first time along or you don't usually uh, come along. Let me pray for us, uh, and then we're going to look at uh, this topic together. Heavenly Father, as we come to look at your word, I pray may you um, open it to us. May our hearts be ready to hear from you today. We ask in your name. Amen. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask us just uh, to do one more thing, talking to the people uh, around you. Uh, I know you've already had a chance to say hi to the people around you, but just one other thing. Um, we're talking about, uh, about the Bible today, and this whole series is about an introduction uh, to Scripture, an introduction to uh, kind of an overview of the Bible. So I'd love you to talk to the person next to you about where, let me see if I can get this question right, uh, where have you seen the Bible in culture around you? Maybe in places you don't expect, okay? Where have you seen the Bible in culture around you? Maybe in places you don't expect. So maybe just spend a couple of minutes having a conversation with the person next to you. You may say, oh, I can't think of anywhere, or you may have a number of things that come into your mind. I'm talking sport, I'm talking songs, I'm talking buildings, I'm talking um, names, anything. 
Okay, so a couple of minutes. Where have you maybe seen the Bible in places you don't expect in culture around you? Okay, I'm going to interrupt you there, and I would love to hear back any thoughts uh, that uh, that people have. Uh, In fact, before you, let me let me just share one that uh, that I uh, always comes to mind for me. One of my uh, uh, things that I love is Tate and Lyle Golden Syrup. Um, and uh, I, if you've ever looked at a Tate and Lyle golden syrup, sadly, this is, this is not the tin. Uh, those of you who love the, 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 the uh, Victorian tins, I couldn't find one. We, we, sadly, it's gone into plastic bottles. But anyway, uh, if you look very closely on the front, if ever, if ever you have looked closely, you'll see there was a lion on the front. And under the lion, it says, Out of the strong came forth sweetness, which is a quote from uh, the book of Judges uh, in the Bible with Samson. Uh, who went and killed a lion and then later found uh, honey uh, in the lion. So there's just, again, a bit of a random kind of uh, place where I found scripture uh, uh, around. So any, I'd love to hear from anybody. What were you talking about? Any examples? The uh, monologue by Samuel L. Jackson in the iconic film Pulp Fiction, quoting Ezekiel as he... Uh... Right, okay. Very good. Thank you, Ed. Yep, yep. Yeah, there are, there are. In fact, if you can lob up that, there's a slide I've got that's got various pictures, uh, various pictures on. Um, uh, there's, uh, you can't quite see it on there, but if you walk around Chester, yeah, there are various buildings that have got Bible verses, uh, Bible verses on them uh, as you wander around. Uh, and anyone else? Anything else? A little theatre across the road has got bits of Bible, uh, kind of, Ten got Ten Commandments in, if you ever go in there. They've got on, up, on the, up on the wall the Ten Commandments. Down. Your name is out of the Bible, Daniel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the things uh, someone mentioned yesterday when we were in the car, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, uh, but it was Forever 21. Uh, I don't know anything about that. Someone just, but uh, it's, got Bible, it's got Bible verses in. Is that right? Yeah. Anyone ever been to In-N-Out Burger? Uh, In-N-Out Burger in the States is a, a, like a, is a fast food chain. They have Bible verses on, on, their, on their cups and, and, and things. So just Bible verses all over the place. One of, the, one of these is a picture of the, um, of the lobby in the Houses of Parliament. Uh, when you walk into the Houses of Parliament, in, inscribed in the floor is, uh, are words that say, unless the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain, which is uh, from, uh, from Psalms. Um, uh, if you think about, uh, for any of you following the Rugby, uh, rugby World Cup uh, at the moment, um, I'm uh, told that if you're supporting Wales, uh, they sing Bread of Heaven, which is, uh, again, b- biblical kind of imagery straight, uh, straight from there uh, as well. Uh, and actually, the more you think about it, Scripture is just... It's so embedded in lots of our culture, and so, so often in ways that we kind of maybe have forgotten uh, or, or ways that we no longer kind of link with Scripture. And yet it is uh, everywhere. It's, uh, the Bible is, in fact, uh, consistently the number one selling book uh, in the world and I think has been every year, at least for the last 1,000 years. Every year, the number one selling book is the Bible. Uh, it's, uh, it, it has huge influence across, uh, across the centuries and across, uh, across our culture. Uh, and yet, it is a book that many people find rather daunting 
and many people don't uh, understand. Particularly today, um, there will be some of you here today who've maybe uh, grown up reading the Bible or maybe grew up with lots of it at school or maybe in your, in your home. Um, but, but more and more, in a, I guess an increasingly secular culture, um, the, the Bible is looked at uh, uh, less and less uh, and people don't know much uh, about the Bible. And actually, it can be quite daunting when people see it or open it and want to know where to start. So hence why we're looking at this course called uh, the Bible course. Uh, And what we're hoping is that over this course, we're going to provide, if you like, a bit of a map, uh, a bit of an overview to, uh, to the Bible. So hopefully it doesn't look daunting so hopefully when you get to it and you open it up you can uh, see where things are and how things fit together. Uh, now we played a video a few weeks ago, um, just, uh, it was a minute long video just advertising, uh, kind of promoting the Bible course and what it is and I'm just going to ask Mike if we can see if we can get this uh, video working it'll just give you a bit of an overview of where we're going to be going over the next few weeks. So that's where we're going to be going over the next few weeks. So today is a bit of an introduction to, uh, to the Bible. Um, and uh, today I'm going to be just covering a few very simple things. Um, firstly, what is the Bible? Secondly, how to read the Bible? And thirdly, the power of uh, the Bible. Uh, and uh, some of it, uh, again, you may say is quite basic, um, but actually we're just aware that for some people that actually the Bible is something they really don't know anything about. So we are kind of starting uh, assuming kind of uh, people don't know uh, much about it. Uh, so for some of you, you may say, well, I, I know this already, but for some of you, uh, this will actually be quite, or m- might be quite new and, uh, quite, uh, and like maybe stuff you haven't heard before. So, number one, what is uh, the Bible? Well, the Bible, um, actually, in some ways, it's best to see it not as a book, but rather as a library of books. Um, uh, that actually, the, the Bible is made up of a whole load of, uh, of different books um, that all have uh, different contexts where they were all uh, written. Uh, if you go to uh, a library, if you go to Storyhouse in Chester or go to the uni library, uh, there'll be loads of different sections there. You'll have a section on biographies or a section on history or a section on uh, you know, uh, uh, fiction, uh, a whole load of different things. A travel section, that's where I usually go. Um, there's a whole load of different sections. And actually, um, when you come to the Bible, in some ways it's quite similar. Uh, there are books in there that would fit in a history section, like One and Two Kings. There are books in there that would fit in a, a section on law, such as Leviticus, or uh, books in there that would fit in the sort of self-help guide area of the library, like Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. Um, then there'd be those parts that maybe would go in the thriller fiction section, like the book of Esther. Or, but then there'd be others that would go just, just be good old stories, like the book of Daniel uh, or the book of Ruth, or, or stories to do with Joseph. And that actually the Bible is full of a number of different books. So it's best, I think, what is the Bible? It's really a library of books. And it's a library of books that have all been written by humans. Uh, The Bible is full of books that have all been written in their different contexts by different authors. Um, uh, we know that for a num- some of the authors all had different jobs. We know that there were historians who helped uh, write the Bible. We know there were scholars who put it together. But we also know there were fishermen uh, who uh, wrote uh, parts of the Bible, uh, a carpenter, uh, a doctor, uh, and a number of other uh, people. Some of them, we're not entirely sure who uh, the author uh, might be. Um, uh, but each of these people uh, will have contributed different things uh, in different ways in writing these different uh, books uh, of the Bible. Uh, and one of the, things that is, one of the things that makes that 
different from, say, other um, uh, uh, other religions uh, is that it, uh, one of the things I like to do is if you compare the Bible with, say, the Quran. Um, uh, which uh, they use uh, in Islam. Um, Muslims believe that the Quran is a word, was word for word given to Muhammad, uh, and that actually, um, that's therefore, they believe that um, their Quran is um, word for word exactly what, uh, if you like, uh, uh, was was given. Um, so, uh, but but the Bible is uh, is is different. Uh, the Bible was written by uh, humans in the contexts uh, where they were. Um, that's why if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're a Muslim, you uh, have to uh, learn Arabic in order to be able to read the Quran because they believe that's only the real true version, if you like. Whereas we are actually able to read translations, and I'll come on to that a little bit, uh, a little bit later on. But it was written by humans in the different contexts in which uh, they found themselves, written in three different languages. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was largely Hebrew with a bit of Aramaic thrown in, uh, and the New Testament uh, written uh, in Greek. But although it was written by humans, we're also told that it was God-inspired, but more than God-inspired, God-breathed. Uh, the reading which uh, Teresa read for us from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 says that Scripture is God-breathed. I'll mention a little bit more, more about that in a moment, but that, that actually God in some way breathed his life into uh, these words. Now, one of the things that uh, the video uh, that I know a number of uh, Connect groups are looking at, uh, the way that it talks about how the Bible is uh, kind of written by humans, but also God uh, breathed, um, is it uses the example of St. Paul's Cathedral. Now, if any of you know uh, St. Paul's Cathedral uh, in London, uh, if you know the history of it or anything about it, if someone were to say to you, who built St. Paul's Cathedral? A lot of people would say, well, it was built by Sir Christopher Wren. Now, the reality is that Sir Christopher Wren probably didn't actually lift a stone to build the cathedral. He probably didn't chisel away at anything in order to build the cathedral. Uh, But he was the one who was the architect for it and put the designs together, and probably other uh, stonemasons and other builders came along and would have built it. Now, he would have chosen who those people were. He would have uh, supervised the work. He would have made sure it was done well. But he didn't actually do the building. And in some ways, I think that can be a helpful analogy when it comes to the Bible. But in some ways, in some ways, the Bible is written by God, but actually it's inspired humans who wrote the Bible, if that makes any sense. Uh, That actually it is uh, written by humans, but it is God-breathed. Now, to say that Scripture is God-breathed is an amazing claim. Where else in Scripture do we see uh, God-breathing we talk kind of famously in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, when he makes humans, we're told, made out of the dust and breathe his life into them. So if scripture is God-breathed, it's God having breathed his life into these words in order that we might have access to that life. Okay, so that's the first point. What is the Bible? A library of books written by humans, but God-breathed. Okay, number two, how to read uh, the Bible. And again, this is going to be very, just very, very uh, practical. How to read the Bible. The first thing to do to read the Bible is to get hold of a good translation uh, of the Bible, assuming you don't speak original Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, getting hold of a good translation. And some people get very confused with different translations and end up saying, well, why are there different translations? Are they kind of different Bibles? I don't, I don't quite understand. 
Well, anyone, who, if you're a language student or anyone who's done any translating, will know that when you translate from one language to another language, you sometimes have to make a bit of a judgment on how you're going to translate the words uh, across. Are you going to translate them literally, what the words say, or are you going to try and translate them so you get across the meaning of what the words are? And that's one of the calls that people make when they make Bible translations. And so uh, often Bible translations are put on a spectrum. From on the one hand, you have Bible translations that are more literal. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have Bible translations, I guess, that are more trying to get across the meaning, but maybe aren't so literal. Okay, so I've got a few Bibles here. Where are, oh, there they are. Okay, um, just to show you a bit of some of the different translations that you can have. So here is one. This is the uh, ESV, which stands, stands for the extra sound version, okay. or the English standard version. Um, and this Bible, it likes, would, would kind of translates as a more, is a more literal translation, uh, which would be similar to, say, the King James Version as well. So, for example, um, I believe in one of the, uh, uh, the Gospels, um, the, um, when they're talking about how expensive something is, um, uh, the, the, the Greek says it was 300 denarii. Okay? So, ESV translates, translates it as it was 300 denarii. So that is a literal translation of what the uh, Greek says. But, of course, when we read that, we might say, well, although that's a literal translation, I don't understand what that means. What's a denarii? I don't, I don't know. And how much is a denarii anyway? But that's what a lit- more literal translation says. If you come to the middle here, you might have something like the um, NIV, the nearly infallible version, or, or the TNIV, today's nearly infallible version, or the new international version. Um, and uh, this would try to say, well, okay, we, we, we realize that a literal translation might not be that helpful in some cases. So we want to try and convey the thought of it across to people. So um, rather than saying 300 denarii, um, it would say something like, um, it cost a year's wages. Because a denarii was about a day's wage, and 300, well, about that many days in a year, well, you know, almost. Um, uh, therefore, okay, how expensive was it? It was about a year's wages. So you can read that and think, okay, I can now sort of understand what that means for me today. Okay, so that's kind of the thing that NIV uh, would say. Uh, then, if you like, over this side, you have other ones, such as, like the message. Now, the message sometimes even doesn't call itself a translation. It's more of a message paraphrase. Uh, and so rather, it doesn't say 300 denarii. It doesn't say a day's wages. It says, it was worth loads of money. <laughs> I.e., trying to get across the point, this is what maybe it was trying to say, so we're just going to say, it was worth loads of money. Does that make sense? And so you would end up with a spectrum of these. And for some people, some people appreciate things that more towards one end of the spectrum um, or, uh, or the other. And sometimes people will read a variety of, of, um, of translations as well. Uh, I know uh, there's a friend of mine uh, in Chester who every year commits himself to reading a new translation. So every year reads the whole Bible but reads it in a different translation to try and get some of the richness of, uh, of, of scripture that maybe isn't there in some translations, if that makes sense. So, first of all, how to read scripture, find a good translation. Personally, I use the NIV. I find that quite helpful. That's the one we have here uh, in church as well, if you're looking or wondering uh, where to start. In terms of actually opening scripture and reading it, though, where would you start in scripture? Well, if you were to go to a library... Uh, 
if you stay on the slide, previous slide for a moment, if you were to go to a library uh, and you were, to, well, you were faced with a bookshelf uh, and you wanted to read the bookshelf, how, where would you start? Uh, you probably wouldn't start on the top left and read that book and then that book and just work your way along uh, through the shelves. You probably wouldn't do that. That would be one way of reading it, but it's not necessarily, well, it's not the only way of reading it. And similarly, with Scripture, for some people, we want to start, well, I'm going to start at the very start, starting at Genesis and just start reading from there. The problem with that is that often people start at Genesis and then probably give up around about Deuteronomy when it all gets a bit complicated and a bit difficult, or maybe even Leviticus a few books earlier. Sometimes starting that way is not necessarily the best way to do it. But if you view the Bible as a library of books, you don't have to start at Genesis. You can start somewhere else. And again, I recommend starting with the gospel. Start there, the biographies of Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's a good place to start if you're looking where uh, to read scripture. So I'd encourage you, start with, um, start with the gospel. And whenever you read scripture, it's always good to ask questions. Ask as many questions as you can. What's going on in the story? When was this set? What would this have meant for the original listeners? How can I apply this today? What was actually going on in the story? Asking questions is a really good way of getting into whatever passage uh, you are reading. Now, today, in the 21st century, we are so blessed with so many different resources that we can use to help us get into Scripture. And I don't, wouldn't have time to list anywhere near half of them uh, today, but there are so many different resources, whether it's books and different commentaries, whether it's apps, whether it's reading online, whether it's reading on your Kindle, whatever it might be, there are so many different resources. And I think what I encourage people to do is finding a way that helps you engage with Scripture. Um, And sometimes that changes in life. Sometimes there are different seasons in life where we engage with Scripture in different ways. So at, at the moment, uh, let me say what I'm doing at the moment in my personal, uh, personal life. In my moment, and at the moment, I've really been uh, appreciating uh, listening to the Bible. Uh, I have an app on my phone called the Bible in One Year app, uh, which is uh, David Suchet, who was famously Poirot um, in uh, the TV show a while ago, um, reading uh, the Bible. Uh, and then, uh, if I want, I can listen to Nicky Gumbel, uh, the, the leader of uh, Ho- Ho Trinity Brompton uh, in London, give a little thought on the bit of scripture that I'm reading. Uh, so that's something that I've uh, found really useful. Something that Anna, my wife, is doing at the moment is uh, she's reading uh, the Tom Wright series, uh, the kind of the Bible for everyone, whether it's um, Paul for everyone or Mark for everyone. And she finds that really helpful as a way, uh, the moment in life and the season that we're in, uh, to, again, just keep hearing bits about Scripture and, and it just has a short thought about it. But I encourage you, do talk to people around you. Look online. Talk to your connect group. Uh, talk to people here at church if you're interested in getting into the Bible and finding out different ways uh, to, to do that. So that's how to read the Bible, Okay. Sorry, bit of a whistle stop, going through this uh, quite quickly. I've actually put that down as how to read the Bible part A because I think there's an important, really important thing that I haven't mentioned yet, which is the next point, how to read the Bible part B. How to read the Bible part B is that you have to come to Scripture with an attitude of humility. If the first point is about how to do it practically, The second point is you have to come with an attitude of humility when you come to Scripture. If you come to read the Bible thinking, I know all the answers, and actually I'm just looking for Scripture to back up what I already think, that's not going to be very helpful. 
We have to come to Scripture with an attitude of humility saying, I want to know what is this going to say to me in my context today and aware that there are going to be things that I don't understand or things that I've got wrong. And the Bible may well challenge me on those. If we come with that attitude of uh, humility. Uh, in the reading uh, we had today um, in, uh, from uh, 2 Timothy, uh, in, in chapter 4, um, it, said, uh, it said this. This, this is Paul writing uh, to Timothy. He, he, he says in, in chapter 4, verse 3, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Sometimes the danger of scripture when we uh, read it is that actually we just read the bits that we like or we read the bits that we feel we can understand or or, or the bits that fit with our cultural uh, view of the world and we ignore the bits that actually we don't particularly like. And sometimes those are the bits that are going to challenge us uh, the most Uh, and those are the bits that maybe we really need to read. Um, I did a, a triathlon uh, over the summer uh, with, uh, with Anna, uh, my wife, and we, um, after the triathlon, we went to uh, have a sports physio uh, massage, uh, just because that's really good after you've kind of damaged your body and, you know, doing various things. Uh, and uh, as I was uh, lying on the physio, uh, physio table, as they were kind of pummeling my legs or my shoulders, I can't remember which, uh, I looked up and I noticed uh, that in the corner of the room, the physio had a bag. Um, and, uh, and on the bag were emblazoned these, uh, these in big letters, this, uh, these, these words. Um, uh, the bag said, uh, the truth will set you free. And I read that and I thought, yeah, okay, there's another example of maybe something from Scripture. The truth will set you free. Fantastic. And then in just as big uh, letters underneath, it said, but first of all, it will pee you off. It said, it didn't say pee you off. It said something a little more stronger than that. The truth will set you free, but first of all, it will pee you off. And I thought, yeah, okay. I wonder if that's sometimes what the Bible is like. And in some ways, that's always going to be true. If we believe that there is a God-given way of doing life and a a God-given truth that exists, and if we also believe that all the cultures across the world have some things which are right about them, but other things about them that are not quite right and don't live up to God's standards, then of course whenever any of us read scripture, there are going to be some things we read and we go, yeah, I agree with that, that's great. And there'll be other bits we read where we go, ooh, I don't know what I think about that. Oh gosh, okay, I need to, I need to, have, a, I need to have a think about that, I need to have a ponder about that. And part of it is again about coming to scripture with that humility there are going to be things that I think that maybe are wrong, and I need to hear Scripture influence my life and my thinking. Uh, one of the things that Anna and I did uh, a few uh, years ago uh, was um, we printed out a whole load of Bible verses um, and put them on a put them on a board uh, in in our kitchen. And um, we were uh, we were debating and chatting together uh, about the concept of hell. And uh, hell is one, is one, of those, um, one of those concepts that I've always struggled with. And I kind of struggle with sometimes what I read in scripture uh, about it. Um, so what we did was we, we printed them all out, put them on a board, um, so that we could just have a think about it and see if we could study what does scripture say about hell and what should we maybe think about it. We took all the readings from the Gospel of Matthew. It did mean that whenever people came around to our house, what they saw was lots of uh, scripture verses all about hell on the board. Maybe that wasn't the greatest uh, thing to do. Um, 
but it just really helps us uh, think through uh, those things. Now, I'm not going to say I've got that sorted, and it's still something that I wonder about and I struggle with, but it helps to say, okay, this is what Scripture says. What should we be thinking? How should this influence how I think about uh, this today? So that's how to read the Bible, the second part, coming with an attitude of humility. Final thing to say, the power of the Bible. All of this talk that I've, uh, I've been sharing about, uh, about the Bible uh, and about how to read the Bible can actually have a negative effect. It can disempower people from reading the Bible. Some people say, well, oh gosh, well, if there are all these different translations and, uh, and actually, well, that bit, or oh, that commentary says this, but this commentary says that, oh, well, I'm not sure I can read the Bible anymore because it's all too complicated. It can disempower people. But the wonderful thing about Scripture and about the Bible is it's not really about the Bible. The wonderful thing about Scripture is it's not really about the Bible. It's about something else, or rather it's about someone else. It's all about who the Bible points to. And actually, the Bible for us, the Bible is not God itself. The Bible just helps us, enables us to engage with God, to read the stories about Jesus, to learn uh, about him, to grow in our relationship uh, with him. Let me put it another way. Uh, Timothy Keller, uh, who's a New York, famous New York uh, preacher, um, describes his experience of, of coming to the Bible and examining the Bible. Uh, opening the Bible and just wanting to find out, as he, uh, as he read it, uh, examining it, you know, where does it say this, where does it say that? But he found that as he examined it, as he studied it, he found that actually the Bible ended up examining him. As he tried to examine the Bible, he discovered that actually there was something else going on, that it wasn't him examining the Bible anymore. The Bible was shining a light onto his life, exposing things in his life. And that would be, he would say, his experience of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit having breathed life into the words, into the Bible, using those words to examine his own life. You see, reading scripture is not about us being clever. It's not about us finding new information about things, although it can be those things and it is useful for those things. It's about who it points to. And when we come to scripture with that attitude of humility, that's when we can say, okay, God, would you teach me as I read this? So my challenge uh, for us today and over this coming series is to open, open the Bible, to open scripture, to read uh, what it says. Uh, to see what it may be saying to in, into your life. Um, and I do believe that when we open Scripture and we come to it humbly, and we come to it saying, God, what can you teach me out of this? That God does speak into our lives. And I encourage you to be thinking, how can I do this? How over this series can I engage with the Bible to maybe revitalize my uh, engagement, my reading uh, of Scripture? Okay. I'm going to pray for us to finish, and then I'm going to hand uh, over uh, back to Ed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift that it is to us. And I'm sorry, Lord, when we don't treat it as such. And Lord, I pray over this, uh, this series, over these coming weeks, may you help each one of us to engage more fully with your word. 
guide and lead us, I pray. Amen.